when you get into a deficit that big, that is like a hard place to be mentally. And especially when you're on this like big stage and, you know, the emotions are high and the girls are like, oh my gosh, like, you know, the tendency is to try and like figure out what you need to do more of. And I kept telling the girls, like, you don't need to do anything more. You don't need to do anything less. Like you need to do exactly what you've been trained to do. Trust your training, what we talk about in our community, trust your training and just go back. Every single point is a new point and a new opportunity. And so I told them as much as possible, like, don't look at the score. Like, don't worry about the score because you can't get wrapped up in that. Yeah. We want to be aware, but as much as possible, play one point at a time. And that's exactly what they did. They just, they just chipped away at it. Hey there, we're Christina and Brianne, and one of our greatest passions is enabling female athletes to uncover their greatness, allowing them to break free from their limitations and achieve their biggest dreams. As expert coaches and confidence and mindset educators, we created the Elite Competitor to enable moms and coaches to build lifelong confidence, resilience, and elite performance. Think of this as your weekly dose of inspiration, where you'll feel enabled with proven strategies, real-life stories, and transformative lessons. Welcome to the Elite Competitor Podcast. All right. Hey there. It's Christina, and I have taken over the mic from Brianne today. We are going to have a super special interview actually with Brianne because she just got back from the state tournament and her volleyball team won. So we have some volleyball state champs in the house. So we are going to celebrate that today and do a quick interview with Brianne just to hear about how it went, how the team prepared just get the scoop. So yeah, Brianne and team actually won districts. Then they went on to win state and Brianne was named the league coach of the year and also a state coach of the year. So we have a pretty special guest with us today. (laughs) So welcome Brianne to your podcast. Yes. Thanks for having me on my podcast today. (laughs) I'm super excited for this. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, what an amazing accomplishment for the team. I know uh, they put in so much work in the gym this year and um, also focused a ton on their mental game. So tell me what it was like in that moment, right when the team scored that winning point. Yeah. So that was surreal. You know, when, when I became a coach over a decade ago at this point, that's one of those things that a lot of coaches including myself dream about, you know, you're like, that's the the thing that you want to get to winning the state title. And when that final point was scored, and honestly, it was one of those, well, we can talk, we'll get into it, but it was one of those like, wait, did we actually score that point? But <laughs> we did. And when we finally realized it, it was like a flood of emotions. It was, you know, like you would imagine on a movie, like dog pile in the middle of the court, people falling all over each other crying, hugging. Like I felt like my legs, my legs like gave out. It was, it was just like an out of body experience. So super emotional, super awesome. And you know, something that, like I said, you dream of, and I just never, I never knew like a lot of coaches go their whole career without winning a state title. So I don't know. It was just pretty cool, pretty cool experience. Yeah. That's so awesome. It was so fun to be uh, following along from home and you know, getting to experience that from afar with you and the team. So tell us how you prepared heading into the state tournament. I mean, that's a pretty, it's a big opportunity and the team knew, you knew like this was a huge opportunity you were headed towards. So how did you prepare for it? Right. So 
the thing about it is, yeah, it was the state tournament. Like we had worked hard to get there, but at the end of the day, it was volleyball. It was pass that hit, serve spike, play defense. Like it wasn't anything different. But the beauty of this was that we had been preparing the entire season for this moment. So it wasn't like we had to do anything different. We had been preparing mentally, physically, like we'll get into kind of what we did specifically on a day-to-day basis, as far as our mental training went. But when it came to it, like we had been rehearsing, visualizing, practicing how to perform under pressure, what we were going to do when we hit adversity. Like we had been planning for these scenarios for months and months before we actually got there. So yeah, we had to prepare, like we, the week leading up, we did throw in some like more tactical trainings on like tooling the block, swiping off the block. And the game winning point was actually using one of those skills that we practiced the week before, which like made me look like a coaching genius, but also like, you know, cool that we could prepare in that way. But at, at this point it was like, they were prepared. Like they didn't, they didn't necessarily need to do more because they had already been preparing the entire season for this moment. And my college coach used to say, like when we would have like bigger games, you know, like every day you eat dinner and you could eat like turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing and gravy for dinner. And then all of a sudden when it becomes Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, like special for some reason. It's like, oh, it's Thanksgiving dinner, you know, but it really, when it comes down to it, like I said, it's just turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy. Like it's all the same things that they had been doing the entire season. So they were ready. They were prepared. And we did have to do some extra things because it was state as far as like, you know, they're on a big stage. And so the nerves were a little bit heightened. Like the emotions were a little bit heightened. So we threw in like just a little extra, we reminded them of like the breath work that they had already been practicing. And like, we did, you know, some extra sessions, like in the hotel room, we did some nightly visualizations to help them relax a little bit more, but it wasn't anything like crazy that they weren't already familiar with. It was just reminding them of the tools that they had already had this whole season. Yeah. That's such a good Testament to just doing the work, starting it early, being consistent, you know, all the same stuff that you talk to the community about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, being a, one of your, one of your fans from afar, So the whole family, you know, we're on the text, Brett's giving us the play-by-play, you know, we're trying to follow along. And there were a few times where you were down by quite a lot in that last game, but you came back to win. So how did the team get through that? Like they were, I don't remember the score now, but I mean, there was a few moments where I was a little bit nervous. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) You and me both. Yeah. We were down like in the first set. So those of you that don't know volleyball, you have to win three out of five sets to win the match. And so we were down in the first set, like 16 to 21 and the sets are to 25 points. And so Richfield, the other team we were playing, like only needed to score four points before they were going to win. And we came back in and won that first set 25 to 23. When you get into a deficit that big, that is like a hard place to be mentally. And especially when you're on this like big stage, And, you know, the emotions are high and the girls are like, oh my gosh, like, you know, the tendency is to try and like figure out what you need to do more of. And I kept telling the girls, like, you don't need to do anything more. You don't need to do anything less. Like you need to do exactly what you've been trained to do. Trust your training, what we talk about in our community, trust your training and just go back. Every single point is a new point and a new opportunity. And so I told them as much as possible, like, don't look at the score. Like, don't worry about the score because you can't get wrapped up in that. Like, yeah, we want to be aware, but 
you know, as much as possible, like play one point at a time. And that's exactly what they did. They just, they just chipped away at it. Like one point at a time, one point at a time. Like we kept Richfield's a great team. Like they're a very strong team. And so the rallies would go long and we couldn't get a clean kill a lot of the times. So I told them to like, be patient, you know, if like, keep, keep swinging, keep swinging at those hard spots. And when we get free balls back, we're just going to be patient and we're going to wear them down. And that's exactly what they did. Just like one point at a time, chipped away at it, at it. And, you know, eventually that, that deficit just became a lot smaller, a lot smaller. And then all of a sudden it was within like one point and then it was tied up and then it was like, okay, it's just a game to two. So it was just like that little by little, um, becomes a lot basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's such good proof of the team just being committed, patient, like sticking with it, you know? Yeah. Okay. So tell us the truth. Was there a moment where it crossed your mind that you were going to lose? Yeah. This is a good question. Yeah. I mean, I, in my mind, I was like, okay, we like, we could lose this, you know, because we like, according to the score, like (laughs) chances are odds are that we wouldn't, you know, when teams get down by that much and they're so close to lose or so close, the other team's so close to winning that there's a good chance we couldn't win. And the other thing about it is, and it was tough. It wasn't like the girls were like just happy all the time. Like they were, it, it was a battle. It was rough. Like there were times where our team hit adversity and, and we have very strong personalities on our team too, which is great. But also when the pressure gets high, like the tendency is to want to like, like a lot of teams, like turn away from each other or you know, get down. And so we really had to struggle with that. And there were some timeouts where it was like, we just had to get in it and say like, you, we need to stop this. Like right now we need to like turn to your teammate. You're going to look them in the eye. We're going to make sure we come back to every huddle. Like it wasn't easy. And then the, the other part of it was that Ridgefield, like I said, they're a good team, but they're also like, they, they are, they're bigger than us. They're, they're better than us. in in a lot of ways, actually, you know, if my team were listening to this, I'm sure they would agree. Like they've got some defensive weapons. They have a six, five middle, you know, they, they're, they're big, they're strong, they're tall, like they're a good team. And and like I said, like they, they have some strengths over us. And so absolutely. I was like, yeah, this could really go either way because we're both great teams. But as I, you know, talk to our community about a lot and what we teach in our court, in our classes and our courses is to not worry about the outcome. Like anytime I found myself like drifting to the outcome, whether that was positive or negative, I had to just like I tell my athletes, um, in our programs is to come back to what's in our control and the outcome when we, when it comes down to it really is out of our control. Like all we can control is this play, like our attitude, effort, behavior, ability to be a good teammate. Like that's all we can do in that one moment in that one play. So yeah, my mind would sometimes be like, Oh my God, are we going to lose or are we going to win? And it would kind of go there, but I, I constantly just had to bring myself back to the present moment and just practice what I preach there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know uh, Ridgefield's coaching plan, but I'm just going to put it out there that I think your team definitely had a huge competitive advantage in all your mental training. Oh. So you may not have been the biggest people on the court. You may not have always been the most skilled, but mm-hmm. I definitely think your mental training and your, your team's mental game shined through. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. When it mattered most and the girls knew it too. They were like, the week, um, the week leading up, I had some alumni come in and actually fun fact, those of you listening, Christina, the last time that Columbia River won state was 21 years ago. And Christina was on the team that won state in 2000. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> Christina. I know. Isn't that, isn't that just so funny? Um, I know I was, I was 
doing the math and I was like, oh, it hasn't been exactly 20 years since my team won state and now you're winning state. And I was like, well, 21 years. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty close, but like super awesome. So that week leading up, I like contacted a lot of alumni, like Christina being one of them. And then like a team R- river had only won two state titles before this one. And the team that won state like 30 years prior also. And all of them said like, at this point, when you get to that tournament, like all the teams are good. All the players are good you know, everyone is playing at this level and wanting to win so bad. And so the thing that separates all the teams is the team that is mentally tough. Like all of the alumni said this. So I was like, yeah, yes, we're listening. And the girls were like, sweet, because we have that. And like one of the um, alumni was like, yeah, we used to, we got to hold this like this uh, teacher in our, in our school who taught like sports psychology. And we used to have him come in and he would have us lay down and visualize and do all this stuff. And the girls were like, we do that. We do that. <laughs> so <laughs> they were just like pumped. Cause they're like, oh my gosh, the team that won the state title 30 years ago was like doing all this visualization and like positive self-talk and, and all these things. And like, we do all that too. So, you know, all the alumni were like, the mental game is what separates you at, at this level. So yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to, well, congrats before I kind of shift gears a little bit. This is actually the first time you and I have talked, like talk, talked mm-hmm. since you got back from the tournament. So to tell you like in person, congratulations. So Thanks. pumped and way to carry on the Smedley tradition. That's right. We have, we got a couple <laughs> state titles in the Smedley name. That's right. Okay. Well, so I want to shift gears just a tad bit. So I remember you and I talking as you were kicking off this season, you know, before the season started and you were telling me about, you know, the girls who had graduated last year and how this was going to be really a rebuilding season for the team, but then you went on to win state. So tell me your secret of how, what you originally thought was going to be a rebuilding season ended like this. Yeah. I mean, right. It was, and the girls would agree. So last year, last season, I graduated eight seniors and those eight seniors, five of the eight had been on varsity since their freshman year. And so like four years ago was this like rebuilding year as well. There was like all these freshmen on varsity and like, you know, this whole thing. And this was going to be like their year. And of course, like COVID happened. And so that was such a big bummer because we didn't have state or anything last year. And this was like, that was supposed to be the team to like win it all. You know, you know how that goes. And so this year, like we were rebuilding. Like we, we had almost everybody new on on varsity. Like, eh. I mean, we had, we had a a few key returners, but like for the most part, it was, it was rebuilding in a lot of ways. And so the secret was starting just like how, how we always do. We had to set like a really solid foundation and it started with our mental game. And obviously I have talented players too. Like, you know, our, our team, it's good, but like talent does not mean anything if it can't perform under pressure and perform when the stakes are high or play together. Like, you know, talent doesn't mean squat. So we started at the beginning of the season with goal setting. We started with vision setting. Basically everything that we do 
in the elite competitor program, like module one, basically exactly I did with the girls. So we set visions for who they wanted to be individually. Like if they could achieve anything, what would it be? We created affirmations and we established our daily mindset routine, which would be some short breath work, a reset word, their affirmations that they visualize. We did that every day before practice to really like set the intention and set the tone for practice. And it just made practices like a lot more focused because they had intentions and affirmations that they were um, focusing on. We did a lot of work around gratitude as well, because there's a lot of science around like gratitude and, and playing your best. So we did that uh, every day before practice. Um, we also, before every competition we visualized. So I would just kind of run through like five, four to five visualizations that I had that I also do in the elite competitor program. So I would do those with the girls so like, that's kind of how, like, we just set the foundation. Like I gave this, the girls the tools that they needed mentally so that they could reach their potential physically, you know? So like we, it was kind of like the catalyst to be able to, to play their best. And, you know, they took care, they worked hard as well. Like they brought the effort, obviously like practices were planned intentionally as well so that they could get a lot of reps, get a lot of feedback, all those good things. But Really, you know, we set the foundation with those daily routines that could optimize their mental side also. So, yeah. Yeah. And tell everybody, you told me this story, but I want you to share it with everyone. You, the team did some visualization right before that state championship game. So share the story. I thought that was pretty special. Oh yeah. So we did this before both districts and state, but the one before state, like I had them visualize and we did this a few times leading up because I wanted them to like see it, but right before state, like right before we took the floor for like the championship match, we did our last visualization of the season and I brought them through like the whole scene, you know, like I want you to picture yourself warming up under the visualize, you know, the announcer announcing your name, visualize like coming together in the court, like high-fiving your teammates and coaches, like visualize, I kind of had them like play out the game as it, as it was happening, like see the ball come into your platform, like see yourself hitting high and hard in the court. And then I had him visualize like the last point, like, you know, imagine like fighting hard for that last point going all out and then seeing the ref signal that it's match point and that like, you're going all out. It's the last point you, we win it. And we come together in the middle of the court, dog pile, like tears, you know, holding the trophy up, like all those things I had them. I like, I just basically explained it and described it. And I talked with my senior captain setter, like after the match and we were actually, she was in my car on the way back. And she was like, Brie, when you did that visualization, like I started crying and I knew that we were going to win state when you like did that visualization. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh. And like, I also, when I was doing it, like got a lump in my throat as well. It was like, and that's what you want. You know, that's what we're trying to teach the girls this whole season is is that when you visualize, like you should be recruiting like all of your senses. And so to hear her say, like, I started crying was like, yeah, she was in it. Like she felt it as if it was happening right there. Like it meant so much to her that she like had an emotional response to it. So pretty special. And then like, of course, like the other girls in the car were like, I did too. I did too. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Uh, It's so perfect. And that's, that's so cool too, for the girls that are here in our programs to hear the power of visualization and also to see, you know, just how it could affect them more than just them thinking about it, but also like, we always talk about like their emotional response and to feel it in their body and, you know, and to see your team like experience it that way. And then to be able to share it. So it's a great, I love that story. Yeah. So good. 
Okay. So tell me a couple of pivotal moments within the season. Cause I know there was, I don't know if we'd say ups and downs, I'd mm-hmm. say probably. Yeah. But there's probably a couple of things that really stand out to you as really pivotal, pivotal. So what would you say? Yeah. Every season has a story. And yeah, like you could look at our record and be like, Oh yeah, it was like a perfect season. I'm sure they're like good for them. You know, <laughs> like 20, <laughs> 23 and one state champions, all those things. Like, Okay. So we like, there were a couple pivotal pit. I, nah, I can't say it. I know. Is that a new word? I think we made <laughs> up a new word. <laughs> pivotal moments. The first one being when we lost. So like Ridgefield, the team that we played in the state championship, they're in our league actually. So, you know, okay, wait, can I make a quick comment on that? Cause yeah. that is exactly how, when my team won state, we also played Camus who was oh, like gosh. our rival in our league. Right. So, so interesting. Yeah. So same thing. Like we had been playing that in the state championship. It would have been the fourth time that we had played them. And the first time we played them this season, we lost in three, like big loss. <laughs> Not great. That was our only loss of the season. Like our only set loss of the season in regular, you know, in the ones that you count. And so we were like, well, that was a bummer. What can we learn from that? And we learned a lot about like, I mean, like body language, playing to get like all these things, but like right after, like the weekend after we lost to Ridgefield, we went to San Diego and played in a tournament, like this big tournament in California. And we also like the first day just got kicked. <laughs> like we lost. We were like, wow, this is great. What are we going to do? So that night at the hotel room, we did some like heart to heart, some team bonding things around appreciation for each other, what we were each struggling with and, and how we could help each other. I was like, okay, what do we need? Like more than anything. And they all said, we need more like we need more mental training. Our captain was like, you know, the stuff that we do, like we do our, our daily mindset routine, we do the visualizations, but like the thing that gets in our way is ourselves. Like our own mental game is the thing that's getting in the way. And so they're like, we want more mental training. And I'm like, well, well, I can do that. Done. (laughs) Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that next day of the tournament, we actually won out. We won the rest of our, our bracket. We hadn't lost, we didn't lose since. (laughs) And we came back, um, really committed to doing more mental training. So I really dug into like more of the things that I would do in the modules and the elite competitive program modules. So like we dug into like limiting beliefs and like specific self-talk scenario planning, like all of these more like, like nuanced things, like deeper mental training that they wanted. I started doing that in practice. And then, um, we played Ridgefield for a second time. And at that point, Ridgefield hadn't, hadn't lost a game in three years. They hadn't, they had a 51 game winning streak. And the last time they lost was actually to us. Like I, it was the district tournament. I remember coaching in 2018 on the district tournament. That was the last time they had lost. And we beat them that second time that we played them. And that was huge. It was like, oh my gosh, we can do this. Like this mental training is working. Like we are playing together. Everything is clicking. And that just like, I mean, it, we didn't look back since then. Like they were just playing at a different level after that win. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I think it's really cool too, that the girls, like they recognize that you're doing mental training and then they see the value in it. You know, it's not like something you're just kind of like weaving in and they don't know, you know, that you're doing it per se. Right. You know what I mean? Like they actually know that this is like their competitive advantage Mm -hmm. and they want more of it. Right. Oh yeah. They weren't like, oh yeah, we're just like, oh, I just want to try and be more like confident or anything. They were like, no, this is what we need to like, <laughs> yeah. if we want to go far and we want to like get a run at the state title because we've got the pieces to get it. Like this is what is getting in our way. And this is what we, what we need in order to level up. So, 
yeah, it was pretty cool hearing it come from them. Yeah. That's so great. Okay. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. So obviously you and I get to hear a ton of things from the moms and the athletes in our community. And I just want to, I have a couple of specific questions on things that I know people here struggle with. And I'm curious about how your team specifically deals with them. Okay. Okay. So first one, we hear a lot from the moms and the athletes in our community about how to deal with mean girls, mean teammates. You know, it's, it's a challenge, right? And we've Mm -hmm. talked about it before on other Facebook lives, you know, you've addressed it, but I'm curious how your team works through that. Like, what do you, what do you do to try to help them? How do you lead your team through that? Right. Just like anything, it takes a lot of like intentionality at the beginning of the season and throughout the season, because yeah, like there are multiple personalities that come onto a team and in a program that we've got to manage and not everyone gets along and that's fine. Like I tell girls, like you don't, you don't necessarily have to like everybody on your team, but we've got to find a way to like work together, you know, to accomplish the thing that we want to this season. So from the beginning, like one thing that we're intentional about is creating like a culture of inclusiveness. So, you know, when, when girls join the team and join the program, we go through like special rituals where they get to like, they get their name announced, they get to come up and like sign our core covenant poster and like have this welcome lunch. They get paired up with a mentor in the program as well, like a little sister, big sister situation. So like they feel included because really like everyone's core, like a human's core. Like we want to feel seen, appreciated and included. And so we want to make sure that we're hitting those things. Like we want to make sure that they're seen. And, you know, even as simple as like, how do you, how do you want us to say your name? What do you go by? What are your likes? What are your interests? Like, we, you know, we want to see you, we want to make sure you're included and, and appreciated. So we do that. And we also do um, personality assessments. We do with something called the disc assessment at the beginning of our season. And so, you know, you do this just like any personality assessment and they get like a D I S or C. And then we kind of like talk about what that means and then have, we do some activities based on their personality assessments and what they find out. And that's for two things. Like first awareness about ourselves. Cause it's really important to know, like, how we show up, how we respond to things, like what were our tendencies are, you know, just all those things like what we talk about in the program, like awareness around ourselves is really, really key, but then also awareness for our teammates and realizing that like our teammates don't respond in the same ways that, that you, that I respond and that's okay. And, you know, having empathy for the way that somebody else responds to something and the way that somebody else like shows up and their tendencies. So just realizing first of all, that like, we're not all the same and that's fine. And then having tools to be able to like help our teammates in situations where they might be struggling. And also just to realize like, Hey, it's okay. if like, she doesn't show a lot of emotion or does show a lot of emotion, whatever. So we do that. We have some norms, like we have some on, like when we're on the court, we have some norms that we're all aware of and that we make sure that we practice. And one of them, I mean, if you're around any volleyball culture, you know, like you come to the center at the middle Um, of every point, but more than that, like, yes, it's an expectation. You come to the center, but it's also an expectation that you touch one other person because we know like touch has an enormous power to connect people and make people feel like seen and that you have to make eye contact with somebody as well. So the girls, like, you know, they have their people who they make eye contact with, but there's no, you know, you're not allowed to like, turn your back or not look at somebody in the eye. And there were tough times this season where, you know, we had some personalities who didn't want it. Like when it came, when the pressure was on and the mistakes were being made, like their, their tendency was to turn away and the girls would literally just stand. You can see it on film. They stand there and they would wait. 
and, you know, literally force the the people who didn't want to be in it to come in, make eye contact. It's like, okay, now we can go back. So we have some norms on the court. And then we also have some like off court, you know, conflict resolution, like things. We just make it normal that like conflict is conflict and it's actually not bad, but we have tools in place to resolve conflict. Even simple things like make sure you go to the source. If you're having an issue, you know, we say like person A goes to person B instead of person C so that there's not like multiple webs of people brought into it. So the more that we talk about these norms, the more normal they are. And then also the, when they're being violated, like it's easy to be like, Oh shoot. Like, you know, we, we've got to make sure we got to restore this a little bit. And it's just like common, common knowledge and language. So that's not to say that like clicks won't happen and mean girl things don't happen, but the more that we have in place at the beginning of the season, the better it is. Um, And the more like expectations and like just norms are established, the easier it is for everybody to, to connect and and move forward positively. Yeah, that's great. So you've spent a ton of time helping the girls have relationship with themselves, relationships with each other, Mm -hmm. and then communication skills, whether that be verbal or nonverbal and conflict resolution. Yeah. Yeah. And then have you noticed, you know, like in the times you know, teams you've played with and coached, you know, where they didn't have all of that versus these teams that do have that in place. Do you notice less of that, like mean girl situations? Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm always like, gosh, is this just, I like year after year, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. We don't have a lot of drama. Like we have a lot of drama this year. And like, yeah, we didn't have a lot of drama this year. And like, now it's been like, seven years of saying that. And I'm like, Hmm, maybe there's something to this. Yeah. Maybe it works. Yeah. Or I'm like super naive, you know, and I like, don't know what's going on, which, you know, all coaches don't, you know, you don't see everything, but I'm like, Hmm, maybe this is, there's something to this. Maybe it's not a fluke that there's that this year just didn't have a lot of drama. (laughs) So That's awesome. Okay. Switching topics a little bit. Another thing that we hear from our community or from the, from the girls, from the athletes is around playing time, you know, like wishing they were getting more playing time or not understanding why they're not getting as much playing time or just other coaching decisions in general. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say? Well, actually first, I'm just assuming like everybody on your team plays equal playing time, right? Cause equal is best in this situation. Right. Yeah. Yes. All 12 people get the same amount of playing time. Okay. Yeah. That's so totally being facetious there because yeah. of course that is not how it is. So how do you handle that? Like being the head coach and you've been a head coach for 10 years. So this is not something new to you. How do you handle it? Yeah. Like, like a lot of the other things that I've mentioned, it has to be established early, like the, the, um, like the expectations. And so we say early on to all the parents, all the players, like, you know, playing time is not equal. Like it it just can't be, it's all based on, well, first of all, like the position that people play their strengths, you know, like there's just so much that go in, that goes into it. And at this level, you know, we're playing to win. And so we just like make sure that that expectation is talked about ahead of time. But the, the thing that has been the game changer, and I honestly, I didn't start this at the beginning of like my coaching career. This has been more of a recent thing. And I can't believe I didn't do this earlier was just make very explicit roles for each player and communicate those roles. So I have a meeting, you know, I have multiple meetings with my athletes, but like there's a specific meeting at the beginning of the season 
where I literally give them a strip of paper that says what their role is on the team. And that could be like their position, but then also like there's, you know, like three to five bullet points on like what I expect from that position. And so there's everything from like, you're the starting six rotation outside hair that we're going to rely on to get us out of tough situations. And there's that, or all the way to like, you are the backup defensive specialist who, what I need you to do is be ready when your turn, when your time is, is up and to be a supportive teammate on the bench and give information to the other defensive players, you know, a player who doesn't play like, and I I make it very explicit, like you probably will not play a lot in a match, but you're going to play to push our team in practice. And so I just like, I write it out and I talk with the player and like, this is the role. And then I, I learned this from another coach. I say like, this is, this is the role as I see it right now. Do you accept this role? And so I kind of give it to them too. And, and they respond back like, yes, I accept this role or no, I've never gotten a no, but if it's a no, then like, okay, we need to find a different situation because I need to fill your, I need to fill this role with somebody else, but I've never gotten a no, but it, it just makes very, it makes it very clear. It doesn't mean that roles can't change as the season goes on. And we're always reevaluating roles, but it just makes it super clear. Like the athlete knows this is what my role is. This is what's expected of me. And when every athlete embraces their role, which we had this season, I'm not saying that every athlete was like happy at first with their role, but by the end of the season, every athlete had embraced their role and was playing it to their potential. Like I can hundred percent positively say that like that happened. That's when like really special things happen. So yeah, it's not to say that they're like, Oh, you know, I know I have players that wish they were playing more, but the difference was that they, they knew what their role was and they played it full out and kudos to them because it's what made our team great in a lot of ways. So that has really helped as far as like playing time. Yeah. That seems like such a great coaching practice. It makes me think Mm -hmm. of, you know, we have the be heard mini course. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to help the girls go advocate for themselves or talk to their coach or get more information. And I think the way that you're approaching it is it's helping to like, just get the information out to begin with. And of course they can still come talk to you and, you know, advocate for themselves, but you're just helping to like set the, set the foundation, Mm -hmm. which I can totally see the power in that. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And most, most players can't read their coaches' minds and most, <laughs> so I, right. I, I sometimes it's as clear as day to me, like, oh, this is why you're not playing or, you know, but I'm like, no, they don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Unless I tell them. Yeah. I remember like when I, I, I played all the way around, then I remember for like a while I was only playing front row and I had no idea why. And then on the times when I was sitting on the bench, like you don't feel pumped to be on the bench. I didn't see like the value I was supposed to provide from the bench you know, cause I was used to being in the game, but you're actually telling your girls how, if you're on the bench, here's how you provide value to your team. And so they can like be a contributor no matter where they are. Right. That's so yeah, awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cool. Okay. Well, I am positive that there are moms listening right now who are saying and thinking in their heads, like, yeah, I wish my daughter played for a coach, you know, like Brianne who understands the mental game is coaching the mental game with their team, but they don't, you know, and they're like, our coach would never do this. Our coach doesn't have a clue about this stuff. So what's your advice for these moms? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's hard, but also realize that most coaches, like if you're thinking that like most coaches don't teach this side of the game, you know, the, the list of things that coaches are expected to do is super, super long. And when I first started coaching, 
being an expert in the mental game and teaching that to my athletes was not on the list. Like it wasn't even close. Like I, I realized early on that, like this makes all the difference. And so that's when I went out to get like specific certifications and training in this area, but you can't rely on your daughter's coach to provide her with the, the mental side of the game. And that's why Christina and I do what we do. You know, that's why we are so passionate about this. That's why we've created a whole business around this is because we know how important it is. And so I would say to the moms that are listening who are like, yeah, my daughter's coach doesn't teach her this stuff. Like, okay. You know, you don't have to stay stuck there. You know, that's why we exist. So join our community, make sure you're part of the elite competitor society for moms and coaches. Um, you know, we have resources, you know, we, we do our weekly training there, like listen to the podcast. We have the confidence boost text membership on our website as well. And then we're opening the elite competitor program at the end of January. So we'll be running, you know, that's our signature eight week program that provides like the mental training skills that athletes need perform under pressure. It's like all of the, the pregame stuff, the daily mental training, like basically all of the things that I taught my team this season and in previous seasons, all packaged into a course. So that will be, that'll be launching again, like at the end of January. So make sure you're on our email list, make sure you're connected to our communities because we have, we have resources right here. So you don't need to like stay stuck there. You know, if your daughter's coach isn't teaching these things. Yeah, exactly. So they have the the option to take action themselves, right? They don't have to wait or expect to get it from someone else. Right. Yeah. Don't wait for somebody else to solve it. Like your daughter's time in middle school and high school is fleeting. Like it is so, so short. So if you're waiting around for like your coach or somebody else to come and like teach these skills to your daughter, you know, without you going and seeking that out, like it's going to take a lot of time or it might not happen at all. So just, you know, be an advocate for your daughter in this area. Yeah. And then giving those coaches that are also listening right now, a little bit of credit for, you know, there's probably a lot of them who totally get the power behind the mental game, you know, like how you were just describing yourself when you started, but they, they don't know how to coach it. They don't know how to get started. What would you share with them? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want you to know that like, this doesn't take a ton of time. So a lot of times we're like coaches are like, I just don't have time. Like there's so many, so many, like the sports skills that I have to teach. I don't have time to do any mental stuff. Well, it actually doesn't take too much, too much time at all. And for, for you, like join our community as well, join the elite competitor society. So you can learn like these like tangible tips that you can bring back to your team. We actually have a lot of coach resources in the works because this is an area too, that I'm super passionate about because I know that there's coaches out there that are like, I know how important this is. I just don't know how to do it. And so we definitely have a vision for coaches and we have things in the work in the works. And then, like I said, the elite competitor program is opening at the end of January and we have had teams like entire teams come through the program as well. So if you're like, want the do, you know, have somebody, the do it for you model, like your team can come through the elite competitor program as well. Like, and, and I will train them. So yeah, that's always an option too. Yeah. And one of the things I love about our vision around the coaches is that you and I have always had this huge mission, right? To get this knowledge and these skills into the hands of millions Mm -hmm. of young female athletes. And you and I can do a lot together, but once we get more coaches trained, like our impact can just be, you know, exponential. So I'm really excited for some of the work that we're, that we're focused on next year to support coaches. Yes, exactly. It's the whole like 
what is that? What is that parable? Like teach it, give a man a fish and he's, he's good for a day, teach him how to fish and it's good for a lifetime. So yeah, we, (laughs) we want to teach these coaches how to fish. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Last question for you here. So tell us what you're looking forward to most in the next couple months. All right. Well, so the season as amazing as it was, was also pretty challenging on me personally, just because, you know, I had a baby in, in, in late spring and my husband coaches football at, in, during the same season. So we've got two young kids, you know, coaching the same season, running the business. So there were, there were a lot of plates spinning for the past like four months. And so I'm just really looking forward to having some space to be with my family, spend some like undivided attention with my family. Yeah. I I would say that's what I'm looking forward to most. Um, yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of exciting things happening in the business. We're also going on vacation next month together. We're going to Mexico. You know, we've got a lot of, a lot of fun things happening, but you know, definitely getting that family time back is going to be a big one too. Yeah. That's going to be great. All right, Brianne. Well, thanks for letting me steal the mic from you. And for letting me pick your brain and celebrate a little bit with you. I'm so excited. I'm just really excited for you and the team and super proud of you for everything that you do with your team and, and with your family. And of course here in the business. So yeah. Well, thank you. This was fun. This is actually one of the most fun podcast episodes I think we've had on here so far. Yeah. (laughs) For me, I know I might, I might steal the mic from you every now and then maybe more often. So yeah, Yeah, I love it. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining today. And we will be back to our regularly scheduled content with Brianne next week. We'll see you then. See you later.